everyone, and welcome along to the latest edition of the Live Monday Bulletin. My name is Craig Dennett, and I'm joined by, we'll go for JB first of all. How are we doing, JB? Yeah, very well. Uh, looking forward to talking about today's headlines. Uh, I was all prepared to talk about the Kilbarak game, and uh, yeah, Tommy managed to spoil that one for us. So, yeah, cheers for that, Tommy. <laughs> Fair yeah. I think was a few people's days. I think it's fair to say Tommy's had a, a busy day, as have the rest of the, the TII team, um, as we, we dropped the first part of our interview with Stuart Gibson, who is Rangers' third largest shareholder. Currently, we'll come on to talking about it with Tommy, all the background behind it, how much work went into getting it, who was involved in helping us get it, or, or who wasn't involved in helping us getting it and we'll definitely touch on some of the reaction there's been over the past eight or nine hours or so since it since it went live um first of all tommy how's how's your day been <laughs> it's said uh, i think you've alluded to it there it's been it's been busy i think the reaction has been as one would expect when you get somebody who's third largest shareholder of biggest club in the country breaking the silence because you know Stuart gibson doesn't do media generally and it's taken a long time i think that's probably the first part of the the interview actually i think we mentioned it really early it took a long time to get sitting in that studio together um i walk back forward um yeah i'm glad that it's now out there part one and part two thursday i think yeah so, i think we're, yeah. Looking at, we're looking at thursday morning for part two for anyone yeah. who who may be interested in that one we see loads of people come into the comments already. So if you have any questions at all about the interview, we'll cover some of the main the main topics that were covered in part one and get get Tommy's thoughts as um, as my managing editor and interviewer, and we'll get uh, JB's thoughts from a fan's perspective as well to give both sides. and And we're keen to get your questions and um, about anything that, that you saw in the interview, whether you liked it or disliked it, send them in and we'll try and cover as many questions as we can. And Tommy, I can see you kind of itching to get in there. I should should, I should say you are, in fact, a fan as well. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I am. I'm a fan. I'm a season ticket holder, first and foremost. No, I was actually, I won't lie, what really caught my eye was uh, AG's comment about Scotland as a country. You're right, part of the UK. So that, that's kind of what I meant, but it's a fair, a fair shout that you, you make there, AG. But then I looked down and saw um and so curry muncher as well and i'm in no position to either confirm nor deny whether it was a good interview or it was the uh, the ann summers parcel i'm going to pretend i don't know what an ann summers parcel is surely it's um veronica's secret or agent provocateur these days veronica's secret is actually something completely different to victoria's secret uh, who's, what, what's the other one is it victoria's secret what's the one you will uh, that's definitely agent provocateur. <laughs> All right, okay, that's fine. That's the one I'm talking about then. No, okay, we need to get this. We need to get this uh, nailed down before we move on. Is, is it Victoria's Secret? Is that a Victoria's Secret? Yes. There you go. There, I am. Um, there you go. I've been. I've been upskilled on my own <laughs> Anyway, that, this isn't why people tuned in, Tommy. Let's let's move back to point. Um, it's, been a long day. it's been a long day. I'm willing to talk about anything else other than the interview. So, well, that's a bit of a, a shame because we're going to spend the next 50 minutes to an hour talking all about the interview um, yeah. with Stuart Gibson. First of all, the interview was released live on our YouTube channel at 10 a.m. this morning, about an hour beforehand. Um, Chris Jack at Rangers Review went live with some some quotes that he'd received um, from ourselves on, on that one um, and went live with the story. And I think before it even went live video wise the reaction was was huge and um the i've got to say the tension was palpable um but it was uh, it was safe to say that there were a lot of disagreements with Stuart Gibson's comments first of all Tommy what were your thoughts on the reaction since that Rangers review article went live well i think it was always going to be divisive to some extent and you know we can discuss here what's expected in those interviews of pushing. I know some people wanted me, now that they've watched it, to push a little bit harder on his views of Stuart Robertson, James Bisgrove and, and Ross Wilson or indeed the Sydney Cup, etc. Which is, you know, perhaps fair, you know, um, but at the same time, what you're trying to do is give give a platform. So now we now know his views. And so it's, you know, maybe not Frost Nixon here to some extent. Um, 
some of the feedback being a little bit eye-opening, lots of it positive, some of it maybe in the that's part of the course. Ultimately, though, I've said before, you know, it's part of this part of this pod, Stuart Lee's team don't generally do media, right? I think there was one small Q&A when he first came on board, right? And it wasn't on video, it was just a, a kind of quote thing. And then we managed to get, we get him into a studio and that's commendable for everybody this is Ibrox and maybe the wider fan media landscape in terms of the quality that's been produced as well. And that's where we start to get an understanding of he's not a board member, he has invested, he's been sold the vision of the club, he thinks these guys are doing a good job. I don't naturally agree with all of that anyway, right? But what we maybe, maybe the second question behind that is, is there a massive disconnect between the people who have been asked to put money in and what the board are telling them about the fans' discontent? Right? Because people are naturally angry about stuff like that. So that's maybe where I would, I would, I would point into that. But definitely don't agree with everything that he said. That's not the point, though. My my opinion in there probably isn't the isn't definitely not the most important one. What we now know is what the third largest shareholder, who rumours have it might become bigger, thinks about some of the incumbent board team. And that's quite interesting. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, before I come to you, JB, for your sort of instant reaction when you firstly found out about the interview, and then when you when you managed to watch the video, I'll just pull up AG's comment here. Uh, can we start off by saying well done for getting the interview and, and that's that's all on Tommy for that one. It was a, it was a long slog, was it 16, 17 months or so you, you'd said that it, it took. Um, so AG says, can we start off by saying well done for getting the interview and thank you for sharing the insight. Gibson really annoyed me, but it was massively appreciated nonetheless. Uh, I think that probably echoes quite a lot of, of sentiment that I've seen um, across social media over the past um, eight or nine hours or so. JB, coming on to yourself, I know you uh, you found out about the interview last night, and then you watched it this morning. What were your what were your thoughts on on Stuart Gibson and what he had to say? No, yeah, it was. Um, I said you gave it, we got the, the wee tip off last night, so I was looking forward to it. So apologies to the person I was meant to be interviewing at ten o'clock this morning. Got pushed to tomorrow, um, but yeah, well, it was keen to watch it live and obviously just watch the fallout of it. From my perspective, and again, I might give a slightly different view to maybe people in the comments or maybe people who live up the road uh, as a wee bit of an outsider looking in. Um, obviously, I don't live in, in the day-to-day hustle and bustle of it all, but obviously, I think if you're on any of the social media platforms, um, you kind of you kind of get a feel for where people are, what, what people are saying. Certain platforms, I might add, I think there's a different, different mix depending on where you go. But... For me, it was it was really good. To, it was really refreshing for me to hear people talk. I think that's one of my massive frustrations I've got with the club um, is the communication with the fans. We only tend to hear and see certain characters when things are going well. So for Stuart to come on at this time, obviously, um, obviously, it was in and around the cup final. So, and obviously, we're not currently sitting where we want to be sitting from a league perspective. We're out of Europe, so. But him to come on was very brave, in my opinion. And I think, um, as you've touched on there, uh, massive well done to Tommy for getting that interview. A couple of observations for me was the, the the natural ones that I think that have jumped out at everyone. We want to know what the board are doing to try and things turn, to turn things around. Still haven't heard that yet. Um, it was interesting to hear him talk around some of the achievements that we've done. I mean, if somebody had said to us a couple of years ago, you're going you're gonna to win a league, you're going to win a cup, you're going to make the Champions League, you're going to sell players for best part of 30-odd million. You're kind of from an outsider looking in go, you know what, that sounds really good. And I speak to fans of um, Don Rangers fans living down south, and they're like, well, everything seems to be going really well up the road. And you're like, you, you just don't know the half of it. Um, as we know, it's so intense. Um, but I think it, it was, I said, a big word for me would probably be refreshing to hear. Um, we're never going to like all of the answers. Uh, one thing he's not going to do, uh, Stuart Gibson, is come on the podcast or the interview and start slating other board members. We can't expect that. That's not going to happen. It wouldn't happen in my in my day to day job. Um, I think he's come across as a really good character and a really good. He's a Rangers fan at the end of the day, and the more people we've got in there, making him with, with influence, it can only be a good thing. Um, but yeah, interesting to see what part two brings. I'm sure there'll be uh, some controversies, no doubt, because anything. That involves Rangers fans having an opinion on something will will split the fan base, which is which is always interesting. 
Yeah, like you say, every every time Rangers fans are asked for their opinion, it does it does tend to create a bit of a divide. Uh, JB, your, your microphone seems to be crackling a little bit, so I don't know if you can you can just pop and try and, and sort that. I'll ask Tommy some of the starter questions. I guess I have, and then we'll come to some of the the, the questions in the comments. Um, Tommy, just to give a to set the scene, give a bit of context. How did the interview come about, and and why uh, Stuart Gibson? So, uh, well, uh, as I said, and I think as uh, as JB goes and fixes that that microphone, see, we listen to feedback in real time uh, for people in the comments there uh, to, to sort that out. But so when Stuart came on board, in terms of the initial investment, I was interested. Some of my day job is focused in Asia as well, but also I felt that's a really big, big investor. I mean, ESR Ishang Redwood, who he's the co-founder of. Are, are huge, genuinely huge, um, biggest kind of warehousing operator and owner in the whole of Asia. And I think something like, I don't know, if you've if you've ordered a, a package out there from you know like um, Alibaba or you know JD or Rakuten or Amazon or whatever, there's every chance it passes through one of his owned warehouses. So I was interested in that would we see more and more and would he start to grow into the club? And then you also know with these people. It takes a long time to land an interview and so yeah i mean it's the best part i think it's not my head at 15 16 months but i think it's actually closer to 18 months worth of back and forward and there's been some reasons for that but back and forward uh, in terms of, of getting something over the line what i didn't want to do is i didn't want it to be another skype interview or a telephone interview or anything like that i wanted to get in the studio face to face and try and get some honest answers. And I, I don't think anybody, whether you agree with them or not, anybody who's watched part one and will watch part two would take an issue with the fact that he's being brutally open and honest. And that's half the battle with these types of interviews. You just want to make people really comfortable to give you an honest answer. So it was it was getting through that and nothing has was pre-agreed in terms of questions. I saw somebody say that to me on I think on social media. So I can, you know, take I can score some of these myths out. Wasn't put together with the club. It was an individual job, and I'm not walking past all the. This is Ibrook's team, by the way, who did tons of tons of work. But it was kind of me having a conversation with, with Stuart for a long time. Let's say the club didn't didn't put it together for us. We didn't have a pre-agreed question set. There was nothing like that. I think somebody also said that I was making money for it, and that was my point. I definitely didn't get any money for it. Much like everybody, this is Ibrook's. We put out our content for free. You've probably noticed it's not behind a paywall. We don't have a Patreon or anything like that. Just fans putting this stuff out. So we're all volunteers. Any money we do happen to make, we just put it back back in. Um, so I that was that was kind of that was kind of it. And then I aligned that he was he was over for the for the cup final. Uh, and so we managed to get get it you know get it done at that point in time. So I that's the um. Bit of a truncated history there, but there's 18 months worth of backing forward. Does he want to do anything? Uh, does he want to talk to fan media because he's not, like I said, he doesn't do interviews, certainly not ones of this nature, they're, they're business ones. Um, but I we're all about putting out content for people. We hope, I certainly think we've done a really professional job with this particular one, it looked great. And I'll give another shout out to people at Podcast Studio Glasgow who had the set. And the technical expertise, and I think it did a wonderful job actually with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the content that went out was was first class, and, and the, the production value in it as well was was well worth it. And I think it it's we've seen quite a lot of comments come in on that as well. Um, on Stuart Gibson himself, how did you find him as a person to talk to face to face? Would it came across very much to me like a a fan who's who has some money behind him and, and wanted to. To invest in the club that he loved. That that's pretty much what, how it came across to me. I know people will disagree on some views he have, and he has, and I, I disagree on on some points he said as well. But it, it came across as someone like you or I who had done well for themselves and and was putting money into into the club that they supported from a very young age. Uh, listen, you're spot on. It came across the genuinely nice guy, in all honesty. Um, and like I said, none of that. There was no grandstanding before the interview of, right, we'll only talk about these things, or here's my pre-recorded answers. There was, there was none of that. He was just happy, turned up him, uh, uh, turned up himself and all that type of stuff. And then we, we got in there. 
uh, essentially in terms of the question. I he is first and foremost a fan, and maybe some of that and some of that will come out in part two. Actually, in some of his future um, with the club as well, I don't want to you know tease it too much or anything like that. But it's definitely worth a worth a watch. Um, but he's definitely a fan first, and that means that he needs to. Uh, he needs to be careful in terms of you know is he going to fall into some of the traps that we would all fall into. You know, I mean, of I like just do whatever it takes type of thing. But generally, I I didn't agree with a lot of the things he said as well. You know, I would I think Stuart Robertson does a don't want to say the, the comments flying here, right? I think Stuart Robertson's done an all right job, actually. Look at some of the most transparent books uh, in Scottish football. The ship's been somewhat righted. I think Ross Wilson hit and miss. You know, he could, he could take any picture of that. I'm not a massive, massive fan, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, James Bisgrove, depends how you want to chop up his job description. Is it bringing revenue in? Tick. Is it bringing the right deals to the table? maybe across things like the Sydney Cup could it weed it, weed it out first or is it just his job to just generate everything and let the board decide a wee bit of a conflict of interest considering James sits on the board as well but that's for a, for a different play but I, I don't think I don't think in any way shape or form there was any sort of hidden agenda with, with Stuart he was open he was honest he was really really nice to nice to deal with and I, I think if he continues on then we might see a lot more of him at the club yeah, I think so, and I think he did seem like someone who is 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 looking forward as well as um, backwards in terms of what he's done already, but what he can also do in the future, and I think that will be really interesting. Uh, Curry went in the comments saying, uh, "Craig, can you can you be a bit more specific on the things you disagreed with him on?" Absolutely, and I will be as as we go on to the different topics that that he, that he discussed. Um, JB, I saw, we'll, we'll test out your sound while you answer this question. Okay. Um, I, I saw some comments around why didn't Tommy um, challenge him more on certain points and, and and why didn't Tommy push him more? I think, I think there has to be an understanding or I think most most people will understand that there's a sort of balance between sort of asking the hard questions, given the, the subject of the interview, the, the opportunity to, to get their views across. And then also building that relationship um, with someone as well. You don't necessarily want it to be a, a one-and-done interview as such. It's something that, that you want to continue to build on, particularly someone as important to the club. Is that is that how you saw it? Yeah, most definitely. So, again, I don't know whether my sound's working until I stop talking, start talking. Is that a bit better? Yeah. Right, I'll finish this point, and then I'll, um, I'll jump onto the laptop as opposed to the iPad that I'm using. So, yeah, no, I, as you touched on there, I think it was almost a case of, it's a real difficult situation in terms of being able to for hit for, for both parties really it's not as if we're sitting here as mainstream media uh, it very much felt for me like two rangers fans sitting talking having a sensible discussion about rangers um you could start to get into slanging matches and you could start to start to have a real difference in opinion and i just don't think that would work um as we touched on earlier Rangers fans will argue about everything and anything, uh, given given an opportunity, because everybody is that passionate. Uh, we're that obsessed, and we're that obsessed for success and wanting to see us do well. So, no, I thought the pitch was really good, as I say. Um, we would like to see a lot more of it from the club, uh, just in general. I think if you just compare Van, but even if you compare Gio and Michael Beale, um, a lot of people are saying we really like the way that Michael Beale goes around his press conferences and the way that he conducts himself uh, in comparison to what we've been used to the uh, last few years and it feels genuine um, so again I think the more genuine we can, we can make these interviews I think is really good it, I don't know whether it will maybe send a wee bit of a ripple effect back to the club um, because as I say if the club were to come out and just be completely defendant of their decisions then that's not going to work either so I think it's just going to be a case of just trying to find that balance. Yeah, I think so. And I'd, I'd have to agree with that one. I see Tommy nodding as well. Tommy, before we sort of move on to some of the specific topics that were that were discussed in the interview, Curry Munchers come back in here. Tommy, was there a subject that was off limits before the interview was accepted? Genuinely, genuinely. Uh, the only things that we, we agreed, if you like, was what are the broad themes that I was going to cover? So it was going to cover your history, where you got to Asia, how you built that, what was the kind of approach and buying into the club, and then what does the future look like? The future part's going to be in part two, obviously, but genuinely there was no 
you will not talk about this, you will talk about this, he won't answer that. And in the interview as well, actually in the live recording, didn't balk at a single question. It, you know, he took them all on. So, yeah, there you go. That's the short, sharp answer. There was there was nothing. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I think there's a few people in the comments wondering if if that was the case. Um, you spoke a wee bit about, you still kind of started off talking about, about his history. Was that something that you... That you enjoyed finding out. I don't think I, I always think that Stuart Gibson was was one of these people who were involved with Rangers. People knew his name, but I couldn't have told you what Stuart Gibson looked like. I couldn't have told you what business he worked for. I couldn't have told you how successful he was. I just knew he was he was a Rangers fan and he was based in Asia and he didn't but he, he owned between nine and ten percent of the club. Roughly was kind of what was kind of where my knowledge of him was. Where did you enjoy finding out about the? So his background and delving into that a bit deeper. I did, you know, I'd, I'd done my, I'd done my, my research as well. And what you've just said there is a lot of why nobody else was able to get the, uh, the exclusive and why his, his information about him is so hard to come by because he's, he's not somebody who does a lot of media, particularly the Rangers stuff. So that's why again it took it took so long, right? But yeah, it was interesting hearing these backgrounds. You know, his families. You know, he's from Paisley, but his family was all around about Highbrooks. Grew up as a fan. But then you need to remember, he went away, 87, I think, right? Off the top of my head again from my notes. So since 87, he's been in Asia, right? So it's a kind of boyhood affection thing for him. He's not going to be expecting his kids to carry forward any investment. They're, they're half Japanese. He lives in Japan. He lives in Tokyo. His wife is Japanese and all that stuff, right? So this is purely him going, well, I still love the club he's not going to make any money back you don't you don't think right we can get into some of the finances at this point but he's pumped money in to try and follow the club but he's not day-to-day on the ground now that might change in the future you never know but i i think it was interesting hearing some of his background the chances he'd taken on himself in terms of taking a lot of lot of debt on and then go and make a company in Asia and then make it a, an absolute success, a huge success. But then that, probably the takeaway thing for me was he'd spoken about being in Sri Lanka before working during the Civil War. I didn't realise just how close to the Civil War he'd been in terms of his bedroom getting all shot up um, by the Tamil Tigers and, and the, the army, etc. But it tells you something about the guy. That's that's pretty much what I was trying to do, which is he's not, he's not, um, he's not short on belief. And he's willing to take big chances if it brings in big returns, which has seen him well out there. I'll tell you that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, AG's came in here and said, to be honest, I live abroad as well. And being outside Scotland intensified my passion for the club. And I think that's something that we you see a lot. You you, you, you see these NARSA conventions from afar. You see the Orsa convention and and how, how many fans turn up to that year in, year out. And it's... Uh, it, it does seem to be that almost the further you are away from from Scotland, it, it almost intensifies it even more. Even we're we're lucky in terms of we live around the Glasgow area and we get to go to the games week by week. But but having to get up at all hours of the morning and 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 and, and change work arrangements and all that sort of stuff just to just to watch it, a game on TV, never mind actually go to the game itself. It just shows that the level of commitment that some people have. It, yeah, listen, absolutely, and I think KG said he's in he's in Poland, they're Polska loyal, uh, etc. So, um, but that probably ties into the fact that even if you've never been to a game, or you've not been to a game in years, or you live in Poland or Asia or anywhere else, right? Yes, you've got the bricks and mortar of the stadium, you've got the team, all that kind of stuff, right? But Rangers, Rangers isn't just a club; it's a people. So you scatter those people across the globe, the club goes with them. The fans go with them. The support that you pass down to your kids that you may have in foreign countries, if you know if that's where you're staying, etc., goes with you as well. There's a whole history and a backlog that runs through the blood of Rangers fans as they take that to different corners of the globe, and that's the difference between a club like Rangers and any other club, right? It's more about a people, a movement, as opposed to just bricks and mortar every other Saturday. There's much more to the club than that. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's stuff like this that, that brings that home as well. Uh, JB, I can see you, you've moved in your house, you've, you're on a completely different uh, different laptop and stuff like that. Everybody hold their breath, yeah, everybody hold their breath and cover their ears, we'll, sign, we'll find out in a minute. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll test it out again, 
the first big topic that that Stuart Gibson kind of broached and they kind of volunteered it, which I thought was was quite interesting, was around James Bisgrove and and his involvement um, with the with the club in recent years and and the, the level of job that that he thought James Bisgrove was doing. What were your thoughts when he when he spoke? Around, I guess, the level of criticism um, that, that James Bisgrove, Ross Wilson, Stuart Robertson has been getting in, in recent months over the last year or so, and then um, his views, obviously, that took us into the talking about the Sydney stuff as well, which we'll come on to in a second. But just in general, when he started to touch on James Bisgrove, what was your what were your views on his on his views? Yeah, I think that was the one where everybody's, well, certainly myself, my, you kind of put your back up a little bit because you're almost the case of everybody sits on different sides of the fence, as Tommy touched on earlier. Uh, Bisgrove's ticked a hell of a lot of boxes, I'm sure, on his, jo- on his job profile. Uh, any job that any of us get asked to do, you then look at it and you sit down at the start of the year or the start of your term or project, whatever it might be, and you say, right, how can I achieve all of these things? One of the big ones at the top of the list for him, I'm, I'm sure it's not as crude as this, but how can I make this club as much money before I move to my next job? Um, and what he's done is put a number of things on the table. Um, the Australia fiasco um, was one that emotively was just never going to work. It's the type of thing that you that we try and make sure that we are disconnected to. We know that we've got a brand with Rangers in terms of what we're all about and we don't see ourselves as one of these Premier League clubs who um, happy snappers taking photographs uh, on 90th minute winners and stuff. I mean, if you watch the Liverpool uh, Manchester United game yesterday, that's arguably the biggest game in the Premier League. There was people on the front row with iPads um, recording things and stuff whilst the game was in play. Can you just imagine that at a Rangers and Celtic game? So there's certain things where I think Briscoe's massively misread the room. Uh, but that's where I'm wanting the board to be making that decision to go, right, James, no, stay in your lane with this one. That will work. That mightn't work. Um, the MyJays thing for me is um, is a massive scam, uh, in my opinion. I know I've spoke a lot around it, especially when it comes to the travel club. Um, but it's you can see from it again, outside of looking in, it ticks a massive box from a revenue stream. Um, so the revenue sh- and the, the sponsorship deals and even the Castor uh, thing coming in. I mean, if you look at the clubs that they're now starting to attract very much, we were the guinea pig. Um, so hence the reason why things went wrong. Not everything went according to plan with that deal. Uh, but we're starting to see some of the um, some of the things start to mature that we've been working on. I mean, I don't know if it, how many people in the comments have had a chance to walk through the new Edmonton house. Um, I walked through it on Saturday, uh, both, both pre and post-match. And that was a step forward for the club. Um, I was in the Blue Sky Lounge a few weeks ago. Again, it's it's fantastic. I've been fortunate enough to see quite a few Premier League stadiums, uh, hospitality situations, and that is right up there. Um, so, yeah, it's. I think it just depends on what day you catch the Rangers fans in terms of the opinions on some of the decisions that are getting made. But I think from a Bisco perspective, the club from a, is doing his job. It's a massive tick. But in terms of uh, upsetting Rangers fans, you can probably tick that box as well. So it's um, it's almost the case that, just, again, as I said earlier with one of my previous comments, it's trying to find that balance of, of trying to make sure that we treat the fans as fans and not as customers. I know that strap line's been thrown out a few times, so uh, it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm going to come on before I come to you, Tommy, for, for some thoughts. I'm going to read out some comments that I've kind of gathered throughout throughout the day, um, just on the, the sort of James Bisgrove part of the, the interview. So we had Geo on Twitter. I can always guarantee it's not Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, but you never know. Um, he said, uh, Stuart Gibson saying Bisgrove played a blinder for the Aussie friendly is ironically the most tone-deaf thing they could have said. Uh, Martin's, I think it's Martin Sutherland said, um, the interview with Stuart Gibson is concerning. The investors clearly think Stuart Robertson, James Bisgrove and Ross Wilson are doing well, which means they are pleased with losing. The legacy should have been the recovery um, and 55. It will now be the board who, who see us become number two in the country in trophies. Uh, and then just in the comments, AG said, um, I'm absolutely astounded this guy tried to defend 
the, the Sydney debacle. I think JB's made made his thoughts clear on on that, and I I definitely have to agree in terms of the the Sydney stuff. That should never have been a goal. It should never even made it um, past past the inbox. It should have been a straight a straight no from that point onwards. What were your your thoughts on that, and 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 um, how Stuart Gibson kind of worded that part? Yeah, and, and listen, people were, maybe this is one of those elements where people were expecting some pushback, but I think I've covered what the nature of the conversation was looking like. Do I agree with anything that Stuart said on that one? No, I don't. No, I, I think I've said previously on other pods for this is Ibrooks, the whole Sydney point was just back to front, buttoned up nonsense. Um, and I'm, I think we're still in a legal battle with some of that as well. And uh, yeah, I think the way Stuart approached maybe the comment as well, We've played a blind are free hit. I'm not entirely convinced with any of that uh, as well. I think essentially, yeah, I'm, I'm probably with you in that. If you take it from a maybe blame is the wrong word, right? But we'll use it from a blame perspective. Is it James Bow Joe for even bringing it into the into the into the business, or is it the board blame? for saying that's a good idea, let's get on board, right? I think it's a mixture of both of those things, to be brutally honest. It should never have come in the door. It should have, have died on the died on the thought table, so to speak. This might be an idea, but actually we're not going to do it. I mean, I don't think we should ever do anything really in you know, conjunction with them to that level, although we all know the old firm is a brand that makes us both money. But I think, and I remember speaking about it on this Cybers podcast, where I was saying, Imagine we didn't win the title and we get dragged all the way to Australia and Angie Postacoglu's back door, uh, back garden, and we have to we have to play the part of the vanquished foe. And I don't want to see that from Rangers either. So I I don't I don't agree with Stuart on that one. I didn't agree in the in the room, so to speak. As it was, the whole thing turned into a farce with the way it played out. Right, fans having to get involved and then make the bold finder. Well, I don't know if they made the board find a reason, right? But it's been the contractual obligations, that's what we're sticking by. But I the whole thing, I, I don't agree with Stuart on that one little bit. I think that's uh it, but again it comes back to that wider truth then. How close is Stuart to that? Or any investor, you know, because you've got other investors, Julie Will Martin and all that, though I think he's a board member. But in terms of the same board papers, but are they getting a true feel? This is always the risk with foreign investors to some extent. Are they getting a true feel of what the fans are feeling right now in terms of are Stuart Robertson, James Bisgrove, Ross Wilson, et al. all right up to this point? Have they done what they could with their talents for the club and is it time for them to shift over? Um, maybe that's now the point of the conversation. And if that is, then the board need to look directly at it because those are fundamental changes as we head into what is a really important, you know, summer in terms of turning over the playing squad. It could be that we're turning over board members, we're turning over leadership at the top, we're turning over investment opportunities, we're turning over uh, director of football. So that's a really big fundamental shift for the club. I don't think there's many fans who would say they don't want that, right? What people are angry right now. But all of that comes with associated costs and with refitting out the club and reorganising. And those things sometimes take a bit of time to embed as well. So big changes in the landscape. But I, I don't want to walk by your question, so I'll say it again. I do not and did not agree with Stuart on the Sydney point at all. Yeah, I think we're all in we're all in agreement on that one. Stuart Gibson's potentially coming at it from a more detached um perspective, especially living in Japan, um, not not in the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl as such on that one. And I doubt he has much time uh, in his life to spend scrolling Twitter after after games, so um, I think that might be where he's coming from. But I, I think all three of us on here are, are definitely against or definitely disagree with with his views on that one. Another comment I saw today was uh, Ewan Grant on Twitter saying that short Gibson interview has shown everything that's wrong with the board. I know we've already touched on the fact he's not actually on the board. Um, thinking Ross Wilson is doing a good job is one thing, but seeing nothing wrong with the Sydney trip is bizarre. Chased a lot of them. That kind of brings us on to the next the next key point, I think, and it was the one that, that made the headlines fairly early doors, and it was his views on, on Ross Wilson, JB. It was, he said, Ross Wilson is doing a brilliant job. Um, I don't think many people 
will agree with that one, but I, I think in terms of part of it comes down to what yourself and Tommy just discussed around James Bisgrove and that we don't really understand what the remit is and what remit they've been given by the board. I think James Bisgrove, people are a bit more accepting of, well, he's the man that's that's there to try and make us as much money as possible through commercial partnerships and commercial opportunities. So as long as he's bringing more and more to the to the door and you've seen how how much that the list of sponsors at various different levels has grown over, over the past few years that it, he clearly knows what he's doing. He potentially doesn't have the mindset of being a Rangers fan. I think he's a is he a Brighton fan or a Southampton fan or, or something along those kind of lines, I think. Um, so he doesn't have that mindset of growing up as, as a Rangers fan. Um, on Ross Wilson, I think the remit argument potentially comes into it as well. But when when you heard him say that he thought Ross Wilson was doing a brilliant job, JB, what, what was your reaction? Again, probably similar to the Bisgrove one there. That's the one that you just knew as soon as he was saying it was almost the case of it's it's not just not going to land well. Um, I think from a if talk about Ross Wilson's remit, as I understand it, um, some of the things again he ticks a number of boxes. Um, some of the stuff that's going on in the background, we seem to be buying a lot of the best Scottish youth. Uh, that seems to be quite apparent, and a lot of talent we know is going to be there. But unfortunately, Rangers is all about winning here and now. Um, so it's all, it's great having it's great having these great commercial partners. It's great having the Edmonton House. It's great having buying all these great youth players. But we need to be his, his sole focus or his main focus for me needs to be in that space of getting a, a winning eleven on that park every week and having a winning squad that can compete. Um, Again, we're not going to we're not going to use this pod to walk through each individual signing um, and walk through whether he's been lucky or unlucky with injuries and stuff. Uh, the big frustrating thing for me is with Ross Wilson is you see him when the sun's shining, um, but obviously when well, as soon as it starts raining, he, he runs for a mile. He runs for miles. I mean, he was there on the photos on the in Eindhoven when we qualified for the Champions League. Uh, he was all over the fifty-five celebrations and. And great, yeah. That that's he's there, and he he will he will go down as somebody who did have a part to play in in, in that journey. But he needs to it, it, he needs to realise where we are now. Um, again, he needs he needs to make sure that we're getting ourselves into a position where we've got a squad that we can look at. Rangers fans can relate to. I think a couple of the recent the couple of the new signings, uh, Rask, um, Raskin and Cantwell. They, they have got lots of promise. They don't seem to have been signed with mass injury records. Um, and I think it's 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 a really difficult role um, in terms of bringing any players to Rangers. Um, I see it, obviously, again, touch on the, the Premier League. I see a lot of the transfer dealings that Everton has done recently. That's me, little brother's team. And so I keep a close eye on how they're doing. And you look at the money that they've spent over the last couple of years. They've spent in hundreds of, I think it's nearly on half a billion in terms of money they've spent on transfers in recent years. And they are in an awful situation. So try. I think it's almost a real difficult job, even if we are director of football had money. It's not a case of just going out and spending the money and you're going to guarantee success. I think Ross Wilson needs to do a much better job of finding players that are steady enough to compete in Scotland, but also being able to find players that are, have got the mindset that can actually handle playing for in a Rangers shirt. The amount of players that we've seen that have come up and just crumbled. I mean, still early days for Rabi Matondo. I think I was still on a high after the Hearts game. I mean, I've tipped Rabi Matondo to turn it round after, uh, but I think we we're all on a high after the the three 0 Hearts hammering, but. I think it's almost the case of he needs to. I can't see him seeing. I can't see him him being there long term. Uh, at some point, something within that board has got to give for them to feel as if they're giving something back in terms of making change and making progress and moving forward. But um, I do have a level of sympathy in terms of with the with the tools that the the, the board the board when I say the board, what Ross Wilson's got to work with must be really difficult in terms of also taking into account two different manager playing styles as well. So I think Beal has to be a lot more hands-on because I don't think Van Bronck brought much to the party in terms of signings and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting few months ahead. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, Curry Munchen agrees with you. He says, to be a success off the field, we need to be excess on the pitch. Uh, too much money has been used out with the squad and that will only lead to distaste. With the fans, uh, Primetime comes in and says, just like a 
politician out of touch with reality. King Rick says these guys don't dig each other out in public. Um, a comment that I, I noticed well, earlier. Commenting about me there. No, I was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, most of the time they're about you, but I think on this occasion, yeah, I've been safe. Yeah, we're happy. We're happy to dig you out in public. To be honest with you, that's yes. that's fine. No worries. Um, another comment I saw just on the Ross Wilson side of thing, things. Uh, GPD72 on Twitter said, I'm not sure what they, and by they I think he means Rangers, were hoping to achieve with that car crash interview with Stuart Gibson. It just shows the clear disconnect between the board and the fans. Enough is enough. Now, there was quite a lot, obviously, wrong in there, and we've clarified that, that Rangers didn't put Stuart Gibson forward and that um, Stuart Gibson is not a member of the board. How did you see that, see that Tommy, in terms of of Ross, of Ross Wilson um, and Stuart's views on him. Did you think he, he was being genuine when he said that he thought he was doing a brilliant job? To me, I thought, I thought he did sound like he was being genuine when he when he was talking about it, or did you feel like it was a, a politician's answer that he was protecting him um, in public? No, I, I think he was genuine, uh, in all honesty. I think as he maybe sees more and he's here a bit more, he might change his position on that. But I don't think he was just doing a, you know, jobs for the boys, protect protect the fellow board members or anything like that. I know he's not a board member, but you know what I mean, in terms of that. But no, I didn't get that sense from him, that it was anything other than a than an honest comment. I, again, I'm not entirely sure I'd go all the way of agreeing with him on that. I think Ross Wilson, and to, to you and JB's points, Ross Wilson in particular has got a right habit of turning up for a right photo shoot. I remember him with Aaron Ramsey and stuff like that as well. But then when the wheels come off, mm, he seems to disappear, which is... You know, either play it straight and don't do media like that, or do front it up. I think people, by and large, certainly Rangers fans, would respect somebody, even if they're getting it wrong and they don't agree with them. They'd respect them if they just came out and did it consistently and said, actually, listen, it's not working or that didn't work or whatever. I think all of this speaks to the fact that we still know that we've got a communication problem with the club. You know, it's it's still dribs and drabs. We don't get a clear direction from what the club are trying to do long term anymore. You know, what is you know the Park family doing in there? What is Ross Wilson's parameters for success? You know, the AGM is is so finessed as to be ultimately worthless from that perspective. Fan media, by and large, tries tries best, and there's some good elements out there. There's some good interviews, much like this one, I think. Um, to try and get those stories, but ultimately we're still still working that relationship out, and we've come through a historical legacy of the way that the club were were um, engaging with fan media, and that might change in the, in the summer as well. But I ultimately we're still we're still sitting on a, a communication problem, which is why we don't have a consistent view. I mean, it depends how you want to look at it with Ross Wilson in particular, right? So. By any objective measure or KRI or whatever it is they, they call them, like KPIs or, or whatever, right? He's come in and I think most people would say his signings have not, en masse, have not worked. By, by, by and large, right? Yeah. Then you say, right, okay, but has he made the club money from sales? Well, okay, some could have cashed in on more, right? And some of the people, you know, some people were saying on social media, should have cashed in on Kent and Morelos. That's fine, but I think it's in hindsight. I think a lot of people didn't want them cashed in at the point that they were at peak value. But again, that's the big decisions that board and director of footballs need to make sometime. Right, they're at peak value, we're going to sell them, and the money gets given to the manager or whatever that looks like. So it depends on where you want to position yourself and what you think Ross Wilson's job is, because a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff has gotten better. The you know analytics, some of this type of thing. But is that what we're seeing on the pitch? Back to the point. No, no, we're sitting second in the league. Probably not going to win it. Just lost a cup final to Celtic. We have got a manager who's saying, well, you know, we're trying to compete. The previous manager to him was talking about the CL, saying we're just there to turn up, essentially. We've been told that we're going to be best in class. These phrases are coming back to haunt the board. Um, what do they expect? Would probably be the point. You know, it's a case of, maybe less sanitised media drip feed and maybe just an honest conversation with fans. I think people would respect that more because we know it doesn't happen overnight, but we've been with them for a long time. They've been telling us it's going to get significantly better. 
actually what we've done is we've won a title and then we rest. Right, well, hold on. That means questions. You know, Stuart Gibson aside, because he's out there with his money saying, I believe that the strategy's right, so I'm giving you my check. He's not making the decisions day to day. The people making the decisions day to day are some of those people that he thinks are doing a good job. So either he knows something that we don't, or the long-term strategy is no longer working or something's about to change. Take your pick from, from that particular list. But yeah, I mean, there's lots of there's lots of problems in, in that at the moment. And I don't walk past the, the comment as well. Some of this noise would be slightly different, as we all know, because we're human beings, if we're winning on the pitch. But we're far from winning on the pitch right now. So that's the that's the problem. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to come on to the, the sort of poor communication point that he, that he did raise. I think that was one of the first points that kind of volunteered during during the interview. I'll come on to that in a second. Darren Craig here saying any investor or board member that thinks Ronald Ross Wilson has done a good job, needs their heads checked, and probably are not the right board members to take us forward in the future. I think that probably echoes um, in terms of going forward in the future. I think that echoes a lot of the sentiment that I've seen today um, oh. and well before today as well, to be honest, um, around around the board members and the the scepticism that these are the right people to, to take us forward to where we want to go. So I don't think that's one that's uh, that's been allayed in any way by by this interview. And I don't think it's, it's one that, that will be allayed until we see um, some real impact. Yeah, so it's interesting. I think with Ross Wilson specifically, you know, I've seen with any objective measure, you could look at his job description and all that type of thing. But I reckon everybody would agree front of house for him is how's the, the player trading model going? Are you getting players in who are doing the job for us in the pitch and are you turning around players for a big profit? Well, really not. You know, Bassey wasn't naturally his, although he's negotiated a good deal at the end point in terms of getting his money in, Patterson, Rebo. But then you look at how some of the money's been spent and you say, well, hold on a minute. That's not, you know, there's two parts to your job here. It's bringing in players. And now we've got to a place where you get Campwell and you know Raskin, who I think will do us a good job and all that. But I, I think I said this on social media today after the interview, part one had dropped, which is if he's still here, Ross Wilson is looking at his most important and possibly final, he doesn't get it right, um, transfer window. Because it's huge. It's huge in terms of the rebuild. And quite frankly, if he doesn't get it right, you know, is he the right person to be in that job anymore? But it's pretty much that simple for me. I think for most people. Yeah, I think so. I'd have to I'd have to agree on that one. Right, just on to the, the club's sort of poor communication with supporters. I know that Stuart Gibson spoke about the fact that he didn't think it was was good enough and it was an area that really did need improvement. He said they felt that John Bennett was the one that was trying to was trying to start improving that in some areas but obviously we, we we do now refer to the best in class comment quite a lot um from that from that interview as well and i don't think it's been frequent enough either if i'm being honest from what i expected when they, they started coming out with those kind of updates i didn't expect much more frequent and much because he was quite transparent in that in that interview that he did give fair enough it was sanitized through club media and stuff like that but he was fairly transparent or as transparent as you could probably expect him to be um but it was it was interesting jb that um Stuart gibson highlighted that as an area that they did feel needed needed improvement yeah no 100 i think i've probably touched on it a few times in every single point that we brought up is is that communication side i think um i think Cody munch has just labeled ross wilson the hide and seek champion something along them, them lines um yeah i think the communication throughout the whole club from start to finish uh, is still showing the scars of um, of the bad years that we went through um, in terms of everything from communication from customer services, ticket office, um, fan liaison, supported liaison, whatever we call them now. Um, I mean, the fact that it, like there's people obviously communicating on Twitter. So you obviously you've got like the likes of the Michael Seifer account, for example, that is, a, that is one of our Rangers fans' number one ways of getting information out of the football club. You know what I mean? People are putting thousands and thousands of pounds, miles, flights, trains, buses, merchandise, Edmonton health packages, wall of champions, walls, my jazz. All these things are getting money thrown in. So from a fan perspective, we can't do any more. 
So all that we ask, I think it is quite simple. Um, we ask to be treated fairly and consistently. So we ask to be treated like fans. Now, why does it take somebody with X amount of Twitter followers to be the person that communicates to the club? Uh, the example of the other night was um, the Edmonton House was going to be open to show the, the late Premier League game was at Southampton Leicester. That information came out via a fan. That information's got to be coming out by the club in the week of the lead up to the game. I think a tweet went out either it was either the night before or the morning off. But I don't know about you guys. Like certainly for anyone travelling any type of distance, we we have our plan to the minute. Especially if you're trying to catch trains, buses, supporters' buses, driving. I mean, we drove we drove four or five hours back home on Saturday night. You, you plan everything to the minute. So the, the more upfront information you know what's going on in the house, for example, um, allows you to to pop in. Now, as I as it turned out, that prompted me and my dad to make a decision. You know what? We'll call into the club. We'll call into Edmonton after the game and watch 15, 20 minutes of the match, have a drink, and then we'll head back. But, but there was no communication. There was nothing. It was just almost a case of, right, um, a fan has tweeted to say, this is the information. Um, the last update that we had is the bars were going, the, the the place was going to shut before the match finished, and then they quite quickly done a rewind and gone, oh no, we'll we'll keep it open for another hour. This is Rangers Football Club for God's sake. Do you know what I mean? It's it should be everything should be a military exercise and with so much precision, it's almost gone through. You should be spamming us with information because we'll we'll buy it. Do you know what I mean? Put a Rangers badge on a duck and we'll buy them. Um, but it's. Yeah, I do think they do a, a really poor job from a customer service perspective. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that one. And uh, I, for one, I assume everyone else is the same. We get four to five emails from Rangers every single day promoting this, that, and the next thing. Um, all sorts of newsletters, Newcastle ranges, upcoming tickets, hospitality packages. Everything's designed to, to bleed money out of uh, Rangers fans. And it, it's a daily occurrence. Um now, I'm actually surprised I'm not putting Rangers on my spam folder, um, but I'm just scared I missed that one-away ticket a season. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so, Tommy, one of the, the comments just on the communication point of view I picked up on Twitter hours um, from Sam, who said, the way I see it, the club is poor at communicating with the support on issues such as who is responsible for signing players, strategy going forward to secure the league title, etc., in my opinion, it's self-defeating as it leads to the silence being filled by supporter rage. In his TII interview, uh, Stuart Gibson is bang on, bang on to pinpoint this as a failure. The club must do more to keep support updated and on side. Why they don't is beyond me. I don't think I can I can disagree with any of that. Well, I think it's absolutely spot on. You know, in terms of we know communication has been a problem for a for a long time, and, and JB's just given us a really good series of examples with that as well the problem is they've taken a stab at it i mean i think i think you know stuart in the interview references um john bennett john bennett's first 40 that was that car crash interview in terms of you know downplaying maybe the supporter unrest and that's that's maybe the two halves of this that come they need to come together right so you're not expecting the club to come out and share everything in the strategy that would That'd be silly, right? No, no organisation's ever going to do that, right? In terms of we're going here and there, and that's that's what we're going to do. But some parameters of success and filling in some of that void that you know, you're talking about as well. That's right. What we never seem to get is <clears throat> some of the the information displayed in a way or that isn't or hasn't been historically slightly ruffling of the hair. Shut your mouth and and just keep buying. There seems to be a disregard for the customer. Uh, for the I was going to say the customers. Hey, they've gone buying it as well. Disregard for the fans' disquiet. You know, and almost, almost like a listen. You don't, you don't know. And we see that from sub. You know, um, historically, you see that from people who then get any any power, if you like, that it becomes a. You don't know the inner workings, and some of that's true. We don't know all the inner workings of the club, and some of the decisions and negotiations and positions they'd be taking. In, right, every in their day jobs will know nothing ever works out perfectly. Right, so much is so much is true, but certainly more insight and a more consistent and adult level of understanding of why fans are unhappy 
as opposed to you don't get it, stop making noise, buy this store top or whatever happened to be punting, would be would be reasonably expected for a fan base that's as clued up and as engaged as we are. And that has to be all fans, not just selected parties. You know what I mean? It has to be all fans with no interpretation. Again, like him or loathe Stuart's comments, right? Disagree or not, at least it wasn't put through a filter. I mean, just gave his honest opinion. And I can't think too much of when that happens with the with the current board. So I think they just need to maybe start remind, reminding themselves that we're dealing with a, an adult fan base here that know what they're talking about and they're engaged in the club and need to be treated as such as opposed to, right, here's a stupid story, now go away and don't ask us any questions about the fact that we've went from championship winning Invincibles to you know, looking at a major rebuild in the summer because we've not been able to turn people over quickly enough or made some bad investment decisions. But we've got these these stories, these group stories need to be picked apart. Yeah, absolutely. I thought we lost JB for a wee bit again there, but he's back. Um Adam Robertson, fellow podder come in and says communication from the club is a shambles. What did the previous head of communications ever do for the club? Um, Shona McLean says, talk about fan engagement. I was at the fan zone and asked Matondo for a pick with my nephew. He said yes, but was told no by the woman doing the interview. Um, David Morrison says, it's all about the money, nothing about the supporters, just because they are Rangers fans doesn't mean they aren't spivs. Um, I think that one of, I'm going to move on to the, to the sort of next point and the final point from from the interview that kind of stuck out to me. And actually, it seems to have gone a bit under the radar. I don't know if it's because um, people were already accepting that they already knew the piece of information that's around these, these comments around Club 1872, their, their relationship with the board, and the fact that, in his opinion, that it, it's not one that can be that can be repaired. Um, JB, from from your um, view, watching the interview, did you did that strike you as a surprise that he would they would come out and say that, or is it do you feel it's it's actually quite a commonly held view and um, it's not one that, that, that hit as hard, I guess, as the other ones did. Yeah, and I think the other ones were probably a lot more emotive in terms of where we are now. Uh, to Tommy's point a couple of times, and I think Stuart actually made the point, messages are very different and feel very different emotively depending on what situation Rangers are in. As I said earlier, after a 3-0 win at Tynecast, I had Rabi Matondo up for the Ballon d'Or when he returned from injury. So um, in, terms of, in terms of that piece... Club 1872 is not something I'm particularly close to. I would have expected uh, a wee bit more from him in terms of uh, trying to trying to always shed the light on where the problems are. So, are the are the challenges? Is it communication? Is it opinion? Is it strategy that Club 1872 have maybe proposed and the, the club don't like the look of it? I don't know. So, I'm still kind of non non the wiser. Uh, obviously, that was the coming towards the end of the part one. Um, obviously, Club 1872 have been in the news a lot around with the with Dave King deciding not to, to follow through with that with the sale in that space. So it's not something I've got a massive opinion on. I do think fan ownership um, can only be a good thing with a club like Rangers, where with the support and fan base that, as I've said a couple of times, it's so obsessive for success. Um, but whether 1872 is the right model, um, I haven't really got a massive opinion on it, to be honest. Yeah, Tommy, during the interview, you spoke about the fact that you weren't a member or you aren't a member of Club 1872. You um, you do like the idea of fan ownership. In total, it seemed like yourself and Stuart Gibson were fairly, I don't want to say in sync, because that kind of feeds into the conspiracy theorists that we've seen earlier today, but yourself and Stuart Gibson were, were in agreement about that one. I, I uh, you know, that's it. I, I do think there's a place for fan ownership. It's great. Do I think the Club 1872 vehicle is the way forward? I think they're seen by the majority of fans as toxic. You know, and more importantly, inside the, the point that Stuart had made was he'd spoken to a board member. It speaks to maybe some disconnect as well. He had engaged, or Club 1872 had engaged him, <clears throat> and he was happy to you know, facilitate conversations at the end of that you know, season. Well, he passed it on to, I think it was George Taylor, and then it all went quiet. So one, there's a wee disconnect between them there in terms of some of the information sharing, which speaks to some of our earlier points as well, because the biggest shareholder doesn't get an update on something that he's passed over to somebody. 
but also that it all just kind of fell apart. And from his point of view, it, it can't be repaired. The trust is completely broken down. And I think we all knew that from the outside, that Club 1872 and Rangers as a board, as a unit, do not go on, right? It seems the trust is completely broken down. Stuart then backs that out. I don't know where Club 1872 go after that. Now, again, I don't have any skin in that game, right? But if they can't get around the table with the people who actually own the majority of the club, then it puts them in a difficult position, particularly after the Dave King kind of walk away in terms of the upkeep. I, you know, it's more than a branding issue with Club 1872. I think people just don't don't trust them, which why is why they couldn't get the buy-in. And then the club don't want to work with them either. Again, there might be some legitimacy to what Club 1872 have been flagging up. I'm not throwing them all under a bus. I don't know them. But the way it sits with the board and the people who have invested, where do you go after that? I think Stuart was quite clear on that point. Yeah, I think he was. Um, David Morrison's much more in the know than we are on the Club 1872 side of things. Says he was at the last two uh, meetings. It's embarrassing. Less than 10 contributors there. 1872 board needs change. No one trusts them anymore. And I'm struggling to see benefits after Dave King's pulled out. I think that probably sums up pretty nicely where Club 1872 are in terms of where I where I view them anyway from a fan's perspective. And it was interesting to hear Stuart Gibson talk about where they are from a, a board perspective as well. Um, Tommy, let's move on, I guess. Thursday, part two is out Thursday morning. I'd imagine probably around 10 o'clock again. Um, what, what can people expect from part two? Would you say sort of delves a bit a lot more into his thoughts on Rangers currently, sort of on and off the pitch, uh, and it's a bit into his future plans as well? I think that's probably fair. I mean, you've seen it, so you can you can keep me right here, Craig. To be honest with you, but um, so I'm trying I'm trying to remember what we actually covered. <laughs> but, so we we did talk about maybe some of his view of what signings may look like, um, and maybe what his involvement could look like in the future as well. We definitely touched on that. There's a, it's not giving too much away to say an, an ex-Prime Minister makes an appearance at some point as well in the conversation. I kid you not. So, I I think those are, again, Craig, you keep me right. I, I think those are some interesting parts. Yeah, I was going to leave the ex-Prime Minister one as a, as a, wee, a wee nugget of surprise, but you've, you've ruined that there. So. I spoiled it. I spoiled it for everybody. But, uh, but yeah, definitely look out. will be uh, part two will go live 10 a.m. on Thursday, so so check that out. Um, before we go, um, JB, Curry Muncher came into the comments and said, Craig, after the Talking Points interview, could you ask James how he ended up being a Rangers fan? Can you uh, can you furnish us with the story? Yeah, uh, so yeah, a border Rangers fan would probably be the, the phrase, but um, my dad was a Rangers fan, so my dad was from Glasgow, uh, moved down here. Shire 40 years ago, and um, yeah, I've had my Rangers season ticket since the day Gascoigne signed, so it's uh, yeah, fell in love with the club and never looked back. Yeah, you mentioned um, your brother's an Everton fan, but you're a Rangers fan, were you never, were you never enticed into the, the English football side of things? No, to be honest, <laughs> it was just almost a case of uh, there's nothing better than going the match with your dad, so it was uh. It's just something I've loved and enjoyed doing um, and all, uh, throughout, uh, as I've spoken around on the podcast a few times, on the back of that now, I now run a Ranger, Wirral Rangers Supporters Club. Uh, so this isn't a plug for that, by the way, but uh, if you are down in the Wirral, Liverpool or Chester, uh, feel, feel free to look as well. I know a few of the podders have been in and a few of the people in the comments I know have also been in as well, but... Um, yeah, I just absolutely like, like everybody, like everyone in the comments, um, people podding tonight, uh, lads in the This Is Ibrox group. We just absolutely love it. Do you know what I mean? We might, might have a different accent and maybe travel a wee bit further than some of the locals to get to the games. But um, as soon as that, it doesn't matter even if Rangers aren't playing. The first thing I would open my eyes on a Saturday morning is uh, are we going up the road today? Um, so, yeah, long may that continue. Hopefully with a wee bit more success in the next coming years. Absolutely, here, here to that one. Uh, just to finish us off, David Morrison says, where does Stuart see where the club's going and is there a chance he could bring outside investment in? I'm going to leave that one hanging out there, David, and you can watch part two on Thursday and you'll be able to find out exactly 
support Stuart uh, Gibson thinks on those ones. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Tommy. I know it's been a long day, but I appreciate you, you coming in and giving more of a, an insight into um, into how the interview came about and, and your views as well on, on Stuart's comments. Well, thank you for, for bringing me back on. Thank you to people in the comments and JB as well. It's uh, cathartic in terms of some of the other feedback, but uh, I hope people did actually enjoy the interview and understand why we, we tried so hard to get it out there. Absolutely. And JB, thank you very much for joining us once again. No, cheers. Uh, I just hope it's a Rangers win uh, on Wednesday before that interview on Thursday, because that will get interviewed in one or two ways, um, depending on how the result goes on Wednesday. Yeah, I might delete my Twitter if we don't win. I might delete my Twitter. I can see a yeah. hashtag, hashtag pray for Tommy on Thursday. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned there, JB, the fact that Rangers are playing on Wednesday night away to Hibs. And uh, we will be back straight after that game. I believe Kyle's in the hot seat for the post-match reaction on Wednesday night. That'll be almost immediately after the full-time whistle. So do make sure to join us then. And then like we've teased tonight, part two of, of the interview with Stuart Gibson will be going live on Thursday morning. So make sure to check that one out as well. If you enjoyed Sorry. the video... Oh. Sorry, my apologies for breaking in on your on your outro there. I know you'll be shaking your head, but I'm just noticing some of the comments. So, JB, at, at some point this evening, can you just tag in our Twitter with the maybe the address or where the where the um where the the club is in terms of down down Liverpool, and we'll make sure we all tee that so people can see it or stick it in the comments. You speak to one of us, we'll stick it in the comments for you underneath this video to make sure people understand where you are and can visit. Yep. Sorry, Craig. I'll, I'll continue my spiel now. So if you um, if, if you have enjoyed the video, please drop us a like. It, uh, it does really help us in terms of reaching more Rangers fans. Also remember to subscribe, turn on those notifications so you get an email exactly when the interview goes live on Thursday morning. And I think that will do us for tonight. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much to everyone in the comments. And until next time, goodbye. Oh, my God.